We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I mean, everybody's going to get beat. But if you've done what you're supposed to, if you're a pro, if you've been a pro and and the guy next to you is important enough to you that you do what you're supposed to do, it'll be all right. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Hello and welcome once again to Beyond the Game. I am Kendall Gammon, 15-year NFL veteran, joined as always by the OG of player development in the NFL, one Lamont Winston. You can follow him on Twitter at Lamont Winston or me on Twitter at Kendall Gammon. Lamont, a lot to talk about today. we got a great guest, somebody you and I have known for a long time, Jeff Hurd. We were able to reconnect with him recently when we were at Coach Ramil's uh, Hall of Fame induction, which was pretty cool and made sense now to bring him on. 23-year strength coach in the NFL, uh, either head coach or assistant. And I'm going to talk to him about some of the things that goes on, of course, obviously uh, away from the field, away from the stadium uh, when the lights are not on anymore. Um, But before we get to it, it's you. You know, we talked off air beforehand. This is the time of year we know uh, cuts are coming up. The preseason games are done. And you just mentioned the fact that you've got that Raiders shirt on. You, you had a little had a little something to you. And then we talked about uh, the Chiefs side of things when you left there. I, th- I think that's interesting to jump into because this is the time of year where guys get cut and they may or may not think they deserve it. And uh, feelings happen. Feelings, uh, you get hurt. I mean, you get traded, whatever. Uh, just, just talk to me a little bit about what you were saying earlier. Well, you know, I, I, you know, kind of sheepishly, but you know, I've, you know, obviously you see my helmet, so I've, I've had a yeah. with the Chiefs and the Raiders, and you know, the Chiefs. I was there for 17 mm-hmm. years, and so my kids were born in Kansas City, part of it, part of the fabric, and you know, that yeah. divorce is hard. We've talked yeah. earlier. I mean, that that divorce for everybody is hard, when whether you see it coming or not. Sometimes, yeah. like the players know it's coming. There's, there's like actual dates on the calendar right yeah um, but sometimes other people in the in the organization you know you don't know you you think sometimes when change comes there may be change and but then you kind of try to lean on your performance and what you've done and when that's not enough you know you're kind of like you it's, it's just a bitter divorce man i think everybody goes through these feelings and, and i think with yeah. the chief is a little different because you know when you're in that family man it is really a family. I, mean, I got a chance yeah. to be around Lamar uh, Clark as he was, you know, getting ready to become the guy. I mean, that environment with Norma Hunt, I mean, it was so special. And and, and Coach Vermeil's induction was was indicative of that, right? I mean, it right. was it was just you didn't you were more mad because I wanted I, I want to be in the family with the Chiefs. Yeah. Right? I mean, I don't want a job somewhere else. I want to be with yeah. the Chiefs. And so you know, uh, right now, I think um, players, the coaches have another year. Uh, most of the support staff has another year. They're good to go. So now it's really time for players. And, you know, like you said, whether they deserve it or not. And here's the crazy part. See, so all of the hype, all of the hype, if you're a rookie, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. the hype coming out of college. If you yeah. are a free agent, a pro guy, 
all the hype doing free agency, guess what? It's coming to an end. At, yeah, for somebody, everybody's not staying, right? Yep. Yeah, it's uh, you mentioned it. And I know when I was cut from the Steelers uh, in my fifth year, I made the team that I was cut two days later, and it was devastating. I mean, Coach Cower, you know, they brought me in, and I knew what was going on. And I mean, I, I don't. It doesn't bother me to say I was in absolute tears. The next day, less than twenty-four hours, I'm on a plane and I'm in New Orleans. But I remember when I'm in New Orleans, um, I'm 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 remembering. Okay, well, if I were in Pittsburgh, this is what meeting I would be in, and this is where I'd be. Whatever. I mean, it had become my home, and it's no coincidence that that's a big family-run organization as well. And when you get to be around those, it is uh, something special. You know, um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, something that happened this week, obviously in the passing of Len Dawson. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? I'm curious your thoughts. Well, you know, for me, this has been, this has been, it's just been a dream, man. I mean, you know, here he's a guy, young guy from Oakland. I grow up a Raider fan, obviously seeing the Chiefs and, and, and watching them play. I get a chance to come to the Chiefs professionally. Now I get a chance yeah. to be around Lynn, uh, Willie Lanier. I get a chance to be around Yonston, all these guys. And yeah. because Lynn was so close to the organization, uh, uh, being in the, in the booth, you know, he traveled with him. You got a chance to know him a little bit. Um, uh, he got a chance to see kind of the early stages of player programs and development and talking mm -hmm. about, you know, how, uh, you know, they didn't really have it and what it could have done for players. And he told me, he said, like him, Willie Lanier, them dudes had jobs. Yeah. They had jobs in the offseason, which was kind of crazy. But, you know, uh, to, to be able just to to, to, to be in Arrowhead and, and to see Lynn and watch a guy who, you know, not only was a, a pioneer, but a legend and a great, great player uh, in this game and in college. And so I'm fortunate. I pinch myself, man. I'm fortunate to say, yeah. man, I got a chance to know Lynn Dawson. Are you kidding yeah. me? So um, our condolences are with the loss for all of us. Yeah. Um, but but he definitely left his mark both on and off the field. Yeah, and, and yeah, I was inundated with a request uh, to talk about him on Zoom calls, on, on camera, on phone calls. And the one thing that kept coming to mind, and I would assume you would corroborate this, is I've never known any finer a gentleman, just a human being in terms of how he conducted himself, and he didn't have to. He could have gotten away with a whole bunch more uh, if he wanted to. And Lord knows sometimes some guys do. Uh, but this was a person who was just class from top to bottom, left to right. I mean, think about it. I mean, when you really, you're, you're exactly right. A <clears throat> true gentleman, a true pro, you know, he reflected Lamar Hunt to the T. Like he, yeah. he, the values that Lamar had, like he <clears throat> and the family, him and Norma, they, he, he represented that to the T. Um, but then you think about when you go way back, here he is playing for Hank Stram, and Hank Stram finally gets an opportunity, and that's the quarterback he wants. And then yeah. after he'd been scoring and cut, right? Yes. Lynn had been scoring and cut, and all of a sudden now, you know, these two men come together because of the, the personality and, and the gentlemanship and professionalism. You know, young Hank Stram, you know, put his money on him and brought him to Kansas City. And you know what? The rest is history. So, um, yeah, he represented, man, the um, uh, the organization, the players, or how it was supposed to be. Like I said, you know, that's also part of the reason you're hurt when you leave the Chiefs, right? Yeah. Because those guys are around all the time. They're they're involved. Yeah. And 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 again, I mean, I remember I was with Len for 10, 11 years on the Chiefs Radio Network, and he would talk about his times in Cleveland and, and Pittsburgh. And I mean. Uh, you know, the, the funny saying, it was still too soon. I mean, he didn't care for that. He was an, an unbelievably competitive guy. But, you know, to bring this full circle back to today's age and the players getting cut this week and and everything going on, I mean, for him, you mentioned Hank Stram. He coached him at Purdue. That's why he got the chance yeah. at Kansas City. And make no mistake, that stuff still goes on now. Um, you know, some of these coaches, they, they, they know somebody from when they scouted him or they were around him some way or, or – They've talked to somebody who they have trust in and they believe this guy, they can get something out of him. I mean, when they talk about the fact that, you know, you're playing not just to make that team, you're, you're playing to make sure you look good on film. So the 31 other teams, uh, you know, have a chance to see you and see what you can do. Yeah. You know, um, and, and again, that, those, those are two 
those are two different mindsets and and i don't know which one is right i i think that you know when when guys play um for 31 other teams sometimes you know and when crunch time comes you know you you overdo it you just don't you don't get it done because you you should be trying to make the team that you're on you should be trying to your, your best to show this one team what you have the other 31 teams will see you eventually. Like, like they'll take care of itself. Yeah. Walking told young guys, hey, man, focus on, you know, because when you take the attitude of, I think, the attitude of, well, 31 other teams, man, you, you, you're kind of making it about you, right? Yeah. And, and, and that, and you know, in training camp, it kind of, per- you can see it, you know, and as you start playing in these preseason games wind down. But I think, you know, it, it should really be about everybody's focus should be about where they are because when the cuts do happen, you want those coaches when they call, hey Kendall, tell me about Tucker. Tell right. me about yeah. you know, and this guy competed. We didn't want to lose him, but you know, we had whatever. You know, so um I think those guys are going through that right now. I I think um, you know, guys are their agents are busy. They're they're trying to figure it out. You know, yeah. they're they're on the phones. Um but I think guys should not get ahead of themselves. Um, right. You've done what you're supposed to do. Like you said, you know, Kendall, the tape's never off, right? <laughs> no, it's not. Well, and it, it, it it's never off because um, the, the, the fact is how you conduct yourself around there, around the organization. I mean, even though the tape's not on, the people, like you said, they're seeing them and make no mistake. Guys are making phone calls. And that leads us, I think, into a natural segue to bring on our, our guest, Jeff Hurd. You know, because Jeff, as a strength coach, um, I guarantee you, he got some calls from people wanting to know how the players worked in in, in the uh, the weight room and, and what their work ethic was there because this was seeing somebody in a different frame. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you said because, you know, when prior to player programs, player development, it was really about the, the people who really spent the real time around the players were the trainers and the strength and conditioning folks. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. so as, as player programs came into this thing, you know, you started seeing, and I just naturally started trying to build relationships because you walk those, those, the conversations that happens in those two rooms are yeah. totally different. What happens around the building. And so, you know, you, you have, you have to be, um, uh, you have to be a lot to a lot of people when you're in the strength and conditioning business. Um, uh, and you have to be there. And, and Jeff and I got a chance to work uh, together when we were young, uh, getting into this thing and, and working uh, in an iconic organization with some very uh, yeah. uh, uh, classy, uh, yet, you know, industry expert type people. Um, so I'm excited to have Jeff on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, without further ado, uh, let's bring Jeff Hurd into the conversation. Jeff, how you doing, man? Appreciate you joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Lamont and I were talking uh, how, you know, it was good to reconnect at uh, Coach Vermeule's induction. Uh, Just made sense. We'd already talked to you about doing this, but uh, I don't know if you could hear us uh, earlier. You probably couldn't when we were talking about it, but um, Lamont made the – the point that, um, you know, as, as strength coaches, along with maybe the the uh, the uh, training staff, these are the people that are, are around the players more than anybody. Yeah, uh, you know, our, hand, our hands are on them, like, probably more than anybody. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so you, you touch these guys on a on a day to day basis and uh, you really you really get to know them inside and out and. and you know, what kind of what makes them tick and, you know, between the communication with the athletic trainers and the, and the player development staff, I mean, it, it's a, they're all intertwined. Yeah. You know, Jeff, um, I was, I was, I was speaking earlier that, you know, like really, you know, as we started uh, with the chiefs, I mean, there wasn't player development. There wasn't anything. It was strength and conditioning. It was the trainers those are the people that had the relationships. Um, uh, you know, those are the, that, the guys would go in the weight room in the morning at seven o'clock, six thirty, go through their day, and end up back in the weight room just because they need to talk or hang out because things weren't good at home, right? And so th- it actually fell on you guys 
an awful lot. Hundred percent. When when they started the player programs, I, I mean, I thought it was a godsend. I really did. I mean, and you're right, Lamont. It was, and you know, honestly, though, that's one reason why I really liked what I did was because there, you know, I didn't make the lineup. I had one lineup. Whether you worked hard or you didn't, and if the players trusted you, they knew that, and you could they they felt comfortable coming in and saying, "Hey, look." What do you think about this? I got this going on in my life. I got this issue with so-and-so. And if they trusted you that it was staying in that office, you know, you can get a lot of things worked out before it ever had to go upstairs. Um, I joke around sometimes. I think I got more secrets than Pandora's box, you know, from things I know about players that when they confided in me. Yeah. Um, and then when they started player programs, it was like a – an awesome teammate there to work with because, you know, you can't handle everything. And it was good to have somebody like yourself, Lamont, that it was like, you know what? Maybe you should go see Lamont. He's got a little more expertise in this than I do, or we would work on it together or um, just another place for them to go and, you know, get some insight, get some guidance, feel that they weren't like, unusual for for having these issues and this is how we can work through them well you know jeff we you know it's it's you know it, you, you mentioned something earlier you know it's this trust piece and so yeah it's like okay it's easy to say go see lamont and they're like okay so um now it depends on what the locker room thinks of lamont right then, then you kind of figure out you know jeff like can i you know you I, I mean i might go see lamont but it may be two weeks from now Right. And so that, that, but so me coming in the weight room, me spending time in the weight room, the players are like kids. They watch everything that we do, they watch all the yeah. interactions. And so they begin to start seeing. And when you begin to start performing and being there for them as people, you know, it corroborates your recommendation about go see Lamont. Right. Exactly. Um, I didn't ask for player programs. <laughs> it asked oh, for no. Yeah, I was a scout. I'm <laughs> I know. Scout them up, right? It still but, gave, you know, you, gave you a lot of insight, though. You know, you just – and I think I, we talked on on uh, several of our shows earlier. I think a lot of that came from me having been a, a assistant football coach for 12 years. I think it was preparing me for this. But I think the strength and conditioning department um, was critical, man, because, you know, you, you guys, you know, like on the – you guys are pushing them physically. You're pushing them mentally. You're pushing me emotionally. They don't want to, yep. right? And, and and you know it's funny. You know, Kendall, like we're all on the clock. So if you start yeah. on Monday, that thing starts ticking, man. Because we know what. Guess what? Whether home or away, you get Saturday. You gearing up to play somebody on Sunday. That's so right. it had to be. You know, it it had to be things had to be put in play. And I just think you know your uh, the, the strength and conditioning part that the staff because you did have a staff was critical. For, for, for even player development to have uh, a healthy start, right? Um, you know, so you I wasn't in a, in a silo. So, yeah, it, it was um, – you, you guys were tremendous. Um, I know uh, <laughs> you cut you cut your teeth under Dave Redman Redding, right? My God. My so, God. so please hey, tell our listeners about Redman. Okay, that's going to take a bit, but before I go to Redman <laughs> – <laughs> you know, how, how we had that going on in Kansas City, Lamont, I, I'm not going to say anything, but a couple other clubs that I was with, it, it took – I had to say, look, I want you to come down in the weight room. Well, the guy before me didn't want me around and wanted me to, you know, if I talked mm -hmm. to players in his office. I said, I want him to see you down here with me. Right. I mean, I just want you – I mean, you know, I know you're going to stay out. Let me coach and do what I do. But I want you to see these guys. I want them to see you looking, watching them and, yep. you know, getting a feel for what they actually have to go through. And I, I think it made a huge difference. But no doubt, Jeff. You know, um, it was, it's almost like, you know, with, with, with the clinicians, right? We had, you know, we had, you know, Betsy Klein with the Chiefs in the early days. And, and she couldn't be everywhere. But you know what? It was trying to normalize people within the culture, right? And so exactly. if they see you with the strength and conditioning folks, they're watching, because you ain't normally in there, they're watching, right? Yeah. 
at the Chiefs, I did it purposely. I was in there for like three minutes and I'd leave. And then on Tuesday, you know, when it, when I, I'd come in there maybe for a little bit longer than I'd leave. I had a time with them guy. I'm not here to hang out. Exactly. Right? I'm, I'm here. And if they needed me, oh, come on. You know, so it was, it, it's kind of a strategy, but I think you know, opening that door and, and, and the other teams you're on, you told them exactly right. Like, it was you that was normalizing and unlocking that trust chest, if you will, to, to start that process for sure. So I want to start in with this. I'm curious because you guys bring up something that I, I think uh, people may not, our listeners may not understand. You know, having been in that, that locker room and being around some, you know, some very volatile guys at times. And I mean, I, I don't know how many times in my career I saw you know, players lash out at the, the strength coach. And I've, I mean, I've, I've seen players lash out at you, Jeff, and you just deal with them. I wonder, did, did you catalog that and, and, and have a talk with Lamont or somebody said, Hey, I don't, I don't know what's going on. He didn't talk to me, but I can just tell that there's something up with such and such. I mean, did you guys have that communication? Cause I always wondered, because I mean, I mean, and, and this wasn't this, but I mean, you know, some of the guys, and sometimes it was just fun. We've, we've talked about it before. I mean, Willie Rope, Brian Waters, uh, Will Shields, you know, they could get on you hard and they're just having fun. But sometimes there's some other players that I felt like um, it was a little bit different at times. Well, this will tie in with the Red Man thing. That's one of the biggest things that I learned from Red was, you know, you have to be demanding and tough and, and hard, but you also need to try to find out what in the heck maybe is going on on the outside for to cause that kind of a yeah. reaction or an outburst. It may not be anything to do with you personally or or what they're doing in the weight room. It just might be what's going on outside, and, and that's they're dragging it in with them. And I know a lot of times after a workout, I would make sure, you know, at least in <laughs> passing, that I would say, hey, Lamont, you know, this happened today. I want you, you know, just so you know, um, so you can be aware of it and, and help me deal with it so it doesn't have to go any further. Maybe we can take care of it before, you know, the head coach has to even deal with it because he's got so much on his plate. And, and I think the more you can take care of without involving the head coach, the more trust you're going to develop with the players. And it doesn't mean you're going to, take it easy on them. You're going to be real with them and tell them the facts, but you're going to help them through whatever may have been causing the issue. And it would usually start with me was, you know, look, I need to see you after we're done today. We're going to, we're going to go in the office and talk and get this straightened out and and try to get to the bottom of it Um, rather than escalate it. You know, um, there's times where you need to, we need to say, Hey, hell no, you know, this ain't going to happen here. But most of the time it was, if you, if they if if they trust you and you get them one on one behind some closed doors, you you can get a lot done. Yeah. If there's that trust factor there, I agree. You know, I I I know. You know, with when when situations with guys like that, you know, number one, they lash out at you because they know they can because they know you care. Mm-hmm. Right, that's true too. They they they, they know that right, and so they just kind of guys have lashed out at me in my office. And I'm like, partner, you came in my office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You came to my office, but they knew that they could. And I think, Jeff, you said something that you know, we've talked about throughout all of our shows. Is, you know, we were hired to do a job, but we were also hired to be professional enough to respect the the, the, the coaching staff and the things that they got to do, right? Uh, and everybody else. The work, some of the worst things you can do is think you got to go run to the head coach, right? Because then when you do that, you involve position coaches. Well, then when you do that, you involve player personnel. Before you know it, everybody knows the, what's going on with this player, and everybody has an opinion, right? And everybody tries to fix it. Now you got 10 players, 10 people going to Kendall, the player. Kendall's like, are you serious? Right. And he goes right back to the locker room like, you can't trust them. So, you know, I think the, the, guys, the guys, I think, uh, to Jeff's point was, they, they appreciated sometimes when you had to wrestle it out in the office. I think they, they appreciated that because, um, you know, they, they they did have things going on and they are coming there with stuff that they can't even remotely handle, but yet still right. they have to handle it. I think we lost Jeff. 
Yeah, we lost Jeff, but uh, I mean, Lamont to go on that and we'll get him back here in a minute, but, but you, you're, you're so right. And I mean, I think this is interesting because this is kind of the triangle of the NFL. When you talk about the player development, you talk about the, the strength coach and then me, the player at the time. And that's all going on with, with, with without most of the time, any supervision from the coaches and, and what's going on, which is really how you want it. I'm talking more of the off season. Now it changes during the season, but uh, that being said, problems, uh, problems don't uh, just stop once the, the season starts. I mean, they, they go year round and Jeff, I don't know how much you, you caught of that. Lamont, you might want to catch him up a little bit. Yeah, we were just talking about how, you know, it, you know, we were hired to do a job, but then we were also hired to be professional enough and they were trusted enough to handle things so we didn't overload the head coach with everything, right? Because right. I was talking about if you if you tell the head coach and then you involve him and then, then it gets to player personnel and then you got player personnel involved. And before you know it, you got three or four, five different people coming at the player, right? And all well-intended, right? But the player's looking at you like, Dang, what like the you heck? just pulled me out, dude. Like, what, you know, yeah, exactly. I just, yeah, exactly. I just came to talk to you because I trusted you. Now you blew it up. Yeah, you blew it up. You can't. I know Marty Schottenheimer, man. Marty was so, <clears throat> you know, he was the coach that kind of how player programs with the Chiefs and really in the league, really because he supported it. First head coach to really support it. He told me this. He said, Lamont, he called me his office. You know, looking through his glasses, you know, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, he's like, Lamont, he said, look. Let me say this to you. As a former player, I know this much. Players will sell you out when they get in a bind. Just understand that. He said, now, with that with that being said, you know, he made a case for me coming to him. I said, coach, you know, if I come to you with everything about a player, right, I have zero trust. I'm, I'm salt yeah. with that loss of taste. You might as well throw me out. Yeah, you're 5-0. Yeah, I'm 5-0. I mean, I'm, I'm all of it, bro. Like, I'm 5-0. Yep. I mean, you can't, you know, and, and, and I – and so Marty thought about it, sat back in his chair, you know, he thought about it, and he said, okay, here's the deal we're going to do. This is all new. This is player program thing is all new. He said, here's the boundaries. If a player is going to hurt himself, hurt somebody, or embarrass his organization, I need to know. Exactly. Got that. I said, coach, now, I, he said, now, you're going to do how you need to do it? But that's what's going to happen. And I appreciate that. So what I did was I said, okay, so what I got to do with the players is talk to them as you're going to go. I told coach, I'll make the player come to you. Lamont's not coming to you. If Jeff is in that bad of a situation, Jeff's going to come to you. And I'll go with you, player. But but we're going to go. We're going to talk as men. We're going to talk as professional. And that's kind of what we did. And the process worked because the players, you know, they, you go to the principal's office. I told the guy, I said, look, man, you're a really good player. These people aren't trying to fire you because, you know, you didn't go to the store for your wife. Like, that's not what – you're not in that business. So, but I think, man, like, you know, the, the communication that we had uh, in, in Kansas City uh, really helped us because we went through some trying times. Yeah. Um, uh, and But if it wasn't for the – communication and the trust that we kind of all had, right? Hell, we was on game day. I mean, we're a couple guys, can't, we'll say, stay nameless. Nameless, you know, yeah. Like on game day, Jeff. Is he good? All right, cool, got it, done. Yeah. Done, right? It's like, like done, like go play football. Somebody was checking me, Lamont, is he good? Yeah. Yeah, yeah well. Yeah. Just let him go play. We'll, we'll take care of it after we're done. Exactly. Too. Kurt Schottenheimer said, Lamont, this one st really good player Kurt had said, uh, he don't look right. I said, he right. He might get a 15-yard penalty in the first series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but exactly. He's ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> Just get that first play out of the way and we'll see be all right. Hey Jeff, uh, we I should have I should have done the better job of this beginning, but I mean, I think it's 23 years you spent in the NFL at, at multiple franchises. Of course, Kansas City being the longest one, but we talked about you playing for Schottenheimer or or coaching with him, and then also uh, you were with Vermeil, I guess. Uh, 
Oh, who else? Gunther for a year. But who are some of the other coaches that you were with and organizations? Um, I was with uh, North Turner for seven years with the Chargers. Oh, okay. Yep. And uh, Mike Zimmer for three years with the Vikings. Okay. And how about Jack? Were you at Jacksonville? Yeah, I was at Jacksonville for three years with uh, Tom Coughlin. That, the Coughlin. Okay. There's some interesting names. Yeah. They, they, uh, they all each had their own strengths and things that uh, were different. But. <laughs> But Jeff, let me those, ask you. Those of you not watching, there's a smile on his face when he says different. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. With all those coaches, what were what was there? And you have because Kansas City was the first stop, correct? And then you blossomed. Well, actually, it was, yeah, that was uh as an intern for two yes. years. Then I was blossomed, right? Right. So what, interns. When I say paid, it was six hundred bucks a month with no benefits, but as you yeah, well, you know, you're in, you're in. But as you moved around. How, what was the mindset to those coaches regarding player development? Uh, I, nothing is – well, it wasn't bad in, in Minnesota with Les Pico. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It was a pretty good situation there. Uh, Kansas City was was really good, I thought. Um, I think we hit a you know, couple – yeah, it was fine there. Um, San Diego, it, it was kind of – Trying to get started, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah. I thought, you know, Arthur did a good job. It was just, it was kind of in, in its infant stages. We They hadn't caught up to what we had going on in Kansas City. Um, but it was still good. Jacksonville, I don't even, uh, I don't really think they had, they had a guy, but he had to wear, like we all did at the start of that franchise, we wore about eight different hats. I mean, it was yeah. crazy. The I think I think Skip Richardson had he, player develop player programs, and he was a security director. Security director. Uh, it was, I mean, and among other things, I mean, I used to have to break tape down. I'd have to go in at four oh. thirty in the morning to take tape off for the defensive side of the ball. Hurry up, put my strength hat on, do some nutrition stuff, come back into the weight room, and then I took still shots on the on the sideline. It was crazy. Wow. But it was good. It was fun to be involved. Honestly, that that experience at the starting starting out with a brand new franchise to go through that, and and with a head coach that I mean the guy was, Coach Coughlin was probably one of the most misunderstood coaches that I've been around. But the bottom line is he was all about winning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I've talked to players since then and and that were played for him later on. And, you know, he adapted and, and understood some things that may have been pushing some players away. But I tell you what, everybody got treated the same, and he was all about winning football games. And yeah. once the players realized that, that's why he started having success, you know. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, sorry to interrupt. I got to tell you about one of today's sponsors, and that is Trade Coffee. Listen, me personally, I'm not that big of a coffee drinker, but if I do drink coffee, when I do drink coffee, because it does happen, I want it to be the finest beans, the finest source coffee, because I don't want to drink any crap. And at Trade Coffee, 
they're incredible. They connect customers with the freshest and best tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. There's one in Topeka that I've had. It's absolutely incredible. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns, and trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. So if you love to help out small businesses, you're going into trade. Trade helps out these small businesses by getting you guys into contact. And I know, especially in this economy, you want to help out these small businesses as as much as you can. And Trade Coffee sends you freshly roasted beans from 60 of the country's best craft roasters, small businesses, farmers who pay their prices to sustainably source their beans. And whenever your friends call you a coffee snob, or you just know that when coffee tastes really perfect, that's Trade's real expert coffee experts. They've got these over 450 experts and 450 roasts that they know exactly what to recommend for you. Because the truth is, what I like in my coffee is not the same what you guys like in your coffee. That's why they got the quiz to to directly cater uh, to what you like, to what you want in your coffee, and they will match you with the perfectly the perfectly tailored coffee for you. And Trade delivers a bag of freshly roasted coffee as whole beans or grounds. You get to choose that. Personally, I like to grind my own stuff, so I like to get the the whole beans. It tastes fresher. French press that stuff. It's delicious. You know, however you want to brew it, you can brew it however you want it. They'll get you the coffee. Trade has delivered over 5 million bags of fresh coffee with more than over 750,000 positive reviews. That's incredible. Can't get that many people to agree on anything this year, in any, any time. But right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off their first order plus free shipping. When you go to drinktrade.com slash KCSN, that's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash KCSN and let Trade find a coffee that you'll love. That's drinktrade.com slash KCSN for $30 off. Now let's get back to the show. Coach Ramil, um, uh, is he and uh, Coach Coughlin are really, really close friends. And yep. I remember when Coach Coughlin was out, Coach had told us, he said, hey, you know, Tom Coughlin's going to be at training camp for a couple of weeks as long as he wants to stay. Um, and he said, yeah, I'm going to have him visit with everybody. So I'm thinking, that, that's cool. That's, you know, that's good. Coach Coughlin walks up to me one day and says, Lamont, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> He said, you know, do you have time to visit with me? I want to just kind of visit with you about, you know, kind of what you do and this, that, and other. And I was shocked. I mean, and, and I was like taken back in a good way that he wanted to spend some time and, and very meticulous with notes, right? Like, oh, like, 100%. You know, like just very, I mean, took it. He wanted to understand this space. And this was before, I think this might be before he went to the Giants. Uh, Giants. And yeah, because Lawrence Times was there and Kawika was there, yeah. right? So he um, he really wanted to know, right? Because how did Dick do it? You know, Coach Vermeil was a was a hard guy too in the early days, and 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 drove players hard. And he was trying to figure out how you did it. And he realized, being around us, that Coach Vermeil was about people first. Yeah, like that he was about people and about relationships. Um, and started from that. And I think when he went to New York, you know, he was still Tom Coughlin, but he gave him structure, right? And he gave him some a, a pathway to winning. And I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I have much respect for, for Coach Coughlin. Um, but I, I understood him early on. <clears throat> he wasn't trying to – he wasn't trying to, to change your personality. He just was trying to make you – fit in with everybody as a team. And a lot of guys took it personal. Like, you know, why is he, why can't I be myself? You can be yourself. You just need to do it and, and, and make that fit into a team setting. But once I figured that out, he didn't, it didn't bother me anymore. I mean, I, I just went and did my, my job. And, and right. if you, if you were a person that expected pats on the back, then you weren't going to last long working for coach Coughlin. He was all about just results and he didn't, uh, Put it this way, he never once really told you that you did a good job, at least back then. But behind the scenes, he took care of people that that worked hard for him. And, well, you know, and Coach, 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 Coach Mill used, used to always say, if you want credit, go to the bank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
you but know, coach, people looking for credit, like just go to the bank. Yeah, but coach had a way of coach had a way of loving you up too. If you know to make you feel yeah. that you're all part together in this thing, then he gave it. He cared about you a lot. Tom would show he cared about you by you know you would get each of your kids would get a thousand dollar savings bond on their birthday, unbeknownst to you. You know, it would just show up. Wow. He would give wow. all his, at that time all his Nike money that the coaches used to get. He would give it all to the coaching staff, you know, things like that. Um, but, you know, Dick was – he'd be the first one to kick you in the ass and the first one to hug you too. Yeah, and he's, and he's, and he's shedding a tear while he's doing it. And it was real. <laughs> it was real. Plural. Tears, plural. I, I, know, I, I know when he first – when he retained me, I'm thinking, okay, I've seen this cat on TV, man. Maybe he's one of them coaches that just turns it on and off when he needs it. No. Nah. Dick was it was real. He wore his heart on his sleeve, and that was yeah, true. He did. True love and true emotion and passion. There's no doubt. You know, um, we're, we're talking about the emotions, and and we'll stay with that. But I, I think listeners listeners would be uh, interested to hear. You know, what's a player going through um, during the week? You know, we're about to get the regular season started here in the next couple of weeks, ten days or so, um, and. Uh, there's probably nothing that's going to irritate a coach and owner more uh, than a player getting getting injured or hurt in the weight room. Um, I mean, I mean, that's putting it mildly. I mean, these are guys who've been through four or five years most of the time of college, so they they built their bodies up. They're trying to, but but it's it's a different mindset, isn't it, for uh, this long season that's now 17 games instead of 16? Yeah, I, I think it's it's. <clears throat> It's evolved quite a bit. I know back in the day, it was all about and, you know, not a lot of weight. And then pretty soon we started figuring out that actually wears the body down more because all the reps are getting on the field. And I, I, you got to count those as reps, in my opinion, practice. I mean, you're doing triple extension, you're pushing, you're pulling, you're, I mean, you got to count that as volume. Right. So I think it's important nowadays, and I, I, I hope mm-hmm. they're still doing it. Um, I, I kind of went to, you know what? And once the players bought in because they felt the difference, then you knew you had them. But, you know, hey, just just hit me a double on your last set with like 80 to 85 percent of of something that you would use if you were going heavy. You know, so we'd have a couple uh, warm up sets and then three work sets and that last one. Come on, man, just give me between 80 and 85% for a double. And they're like, what? I'm going to handle that kind of weight in season? But when they started realizing they didn't feel as worn down and they were staying strong, right? they, I mean, it was like, okay, let's go. I like this. You know, I don't have to come in and do three sets of eight to 10 and go to the next one and this one. It it cut down on time, cut down on wear and tear. And then if they had things they had to work on, for imbalances or, or, you know, um, injury prep that gave him more time to do that stuff. Jeff, you know, if I can, I think that's interesting. You hit on something. I think we've talked about the rookie, you know, kind of this, this rookie path these guys have been on and, and, and how is it? I mean, these guys come from all these different universities and they're all these different strength coaches with all these different philosophies and theories. How did, how did, how did you and your staff, how do you guys like kind of, you know, hear them give respect to that. But at the end of the day, they got to, you know, get in line with what you're doing. Right. And also they have outside strength and conditioning people who've been training them before the draft. Right. Talk to our fans about, you know, having to un, un, unwind that ball yarn. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's almost like sometimes you have to, and it depended on what schools they came from. It really did. And you kind of had a, every school kind of had a reputation of what you were going to have to deal with. Um, And the first thing that usually it doesn't take long for them to understand that it's a whole different game. And that helps when you're trying to sell them on what they need to do. I mean, it's the same game, but it's like at a, at a higher speed and much more. Everybody's on scholarship. 
You know what I'm saying? And so they see what the older guys are doing. (laughs) By the way, they want to start trying to do the same thing those guys are doing. Um, As far as deprogramming them from their personal trainers, you know, those guys were getting you ready for five specific specific tests. They weren't getting ready to play football. Now you got to get ready to play football. And that's a whole different deal. I mean, you were learning how to be a track athlete, a, a agility, change of direction athlete, a jumper. Now you got to go against another 300 pound man that's trying to rip your head off with resistance. Now you got to get ready to play football. You got to get in football shape. So that part of it kind of took care of itself. Some of the old habits they'd learned in college, some of it was fairly easy to change philosophy wise. Once again, just because if you had a good weight room, if the, if your weight room guys were good guys that you were, if they weren't, you were like a sheriff without a gun. Just like if your head coach doesn't support you, you're like a sheriff without a gun. If, if your vets have bought into what you're doing and trust you, if then they help you keep the rookies alive. Now, we're not at, we're not at Auburn anymore. This is how we do it here with the Chiefs. Right. And that that's huge. So, Jeff, right now, right, right now today, at this point in training camp, right, you got one more game. Are you guys getting ready to trap? What are you doing with them now physically? And what, what are they going through physically and mentally right now? And and, yeah. and and then what's coming? Is there a shift, a build-up shift? Because then the season starts, right? So what are those guys going through now? What are they being put through now? And what are some of the things that they're struggling with now? Well, right now they're struggling with the wear and tear that they've just gone through. <clears throat> Camp is Camp's awful. Um, at least it used to be. I, I think it's a little different nowadays. But um, back in the day, they were. It, it was like you want to make sure they are recovering, but you were tiptoeing a line too, as far as in the weight room, because when you wanted them to start going again, you didn't want them to get sore, real sore, before that first game. Right. You had to make them understand. Look, this is why. You know, these last couple weeks when we start kind of transferring uh, into the in-season program. We got to hit that double. You know, we got to hit that double 80, 85%. And it's, you're better off being sore and unsore now than week one of the season. So mm-hmm. we, I would even cut the volume back more on what we did, but still try to, on, on the big lift, still try to get them to hit, you know, like a, a double for 80 to 85%, just so that when we broke camp and we tried to get in that in season schedule, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, my, I'm so sore, I can't move. Mm-hmm. Um, but and and then getting into that end season routine is crucial as far as this is our schedule you know even to the little things like you know where's my locker you know <laughs> for, my, for the new guys you know what time how long does it take me to get from home to, to the facility you know when am I supposed to eat now that the training table as you knew it in camp is gone. You know, how do I do these little things? How do I take care of myself? You know, some of these guys have barely don't even know where the training room is, much less where your office is, you know, um, the new guys. Um, So that that's important. And and that's when you really got to make sure the young guys know what's about ready to happen. Um, Because camp was like a survival mode. Now it's, and, and they were competing. Don't get me wrong. They were trying to get a job. But now it's like you're going against somebody else on game day. How do I handle that extra hype now? How do I get back to regular little things? You know, like I even broke it down. Players like make sure you get back to regular as soon as you can after each play. In through your nose, out through your mouth. You know, that when you're getting back in the huddle, just little things like that. How to how to just take care of yourself in between series, you know, because you're going to be hyped out through your head. How do I channel that and control yeah. that? A positive, competitive response. So, Jeff, you know, I got to go ahead. Your, your background is so diverse. So, you know, with all this football background, I want our listeners to, to this is this is for all the athletes because we have all kind of athletes that listen to this show. But at the time that you spent with the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee there training in, in Chula Vista, Differences in athletes. They're 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 one percenters, right? In in their respective right. sports. 
are, are the differences in their mentality of, of how they go about it? Um, uh, do they are they more serious than quote most football players? Uh, uh, the women, uh, how intense are the women? Are they more intense than men and, and more disciplined maybe in terms of their preparation, their willingness to train? Talk to us about those differences if you could. Well, I, I tell you, the biggest surprise to me when I went and worked at the Olympic Training Center was how much weight the speed people actually lifted. Oh, I, wow. Yeah, it's surprising. Now, it was at different times of the year, but um, that's that was kind of cool to me to see that the, the sprinters actually tried to squat pretty heavy at times, you know, and, and um, their discipline was – I wouldn't say it was better, but – they had one thing to really work on. And so it would, to me, it was a little easier for them. When I say easy, I just meant, I mean, if you're a sprinter, power lane, yeah. yeah, you're focusing on how fast can I get from point A to point B. If you're a sprinter in football, you're focusing on how fast can I get from point A to point B. Plus I get, I have to street fight somebody and I have to run through trash, you know, other players that are in the way. I got to worry about getting my head taken off. And I got to catch the ball. It, it, it's like there's so much going on. Um, I think that the that intensity level is, I don't know if you can compare it to any other sport, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But the focus of that Olympic athlete to be the best they can be is really fun to, to be around. But it, like I said, it was pretty one-dimensional. I got to throw something this far and develop, develop all that power and strength plus – they're such technicians for that one skill. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting to work with. Um, but, and, and that's what they did all day though. You know, they didn't, football players, you got, you got, and these people all lived at that village that, yeah. you know, right there. So they had care from the morning they woke up just for what they were doing until they went to bed at night and people mm-hmm. helping them through all that. You know, with with the NFL, most of these guys go home. They got families they, they're dealing with, and, and oh guess, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you're aware of that one, aren't you, Lamont? I'm sorry. Other, you're aware of that one, aren't you? Because that's yeah, yeah. yeah. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, but just the fact that it's such a violent. You throw the violence in mm-hmm. to also happen to learn a skill, plus learn your playbook. You know, plus do your assignment to help your, the guy next to you so he trusts you. I mean, the, the dynamics of a, a football team and the intensity of that, I, I've never been around anywhere else. Mm-hmm. It's just a different cat. You know, I'm curious as we start to wind things down, and we still got some time, I'm curious, and, and Lamont may be curious about it as well, but, I mean, you, you were around a lot of stars, a lot of Pro Bowl players, uh, a lot of all pros, some guys that are, that are in uh, – in the Hall of Fame, I mean, are, are there any guys that stand out? And this one, I think you could name names, I would think, that were just, I mean, because I think people would be be curious to know those guys that were just freakishly strong or even more gifted than, than, than we even realize. Are there some, are there a few people that stand out, I mean, in, in, in that 23-year career of yours? Oh, 100%. And I'm probably going to leave some guys out. So right away, I'm going to apologize. Right. But, um. You know, at Jacksonville, uh, there was a guy named Tony Brackens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. From Texas. Yes. Could be yep. one of the most explosive humans I've ever been around in my life as far as uh, football field. Just unbelievable as far as talent, gifted physically. Um Well, Bazzelli, I've never seen a big man other than Willie Rose, don't get me wrong, and, and Will Shields. But they could move with that kind of size, too. Right. Um, but, you know, him and Willie Rose and Will Shields were in that category as far as big men that just had unbelievable feet. Yep. Um, I would have to say, as far as in the weight room, Marcus Patton was unbelievably strong for his body size. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah, the general. Yeah, the linebacker. Um, uh-huh. Brian Waters was pretty- – Ah, I was waiting for Brian. <laughs> I knew Waters, was coming. 
I mean, if he want, he could snap a man's neck if he if he wanted to. That that guy was. Yeah, and it's funny. I'm going to jump in with this because you talk about being around people. I was wondering if we would get to him because the people that don't know Brian, first of all, he's a great human being, uh, but he can be a little bit moody, and uh, he's he had an attitude. I remember. I can remember. I think I remember maybe Jeff, you getting on him about lifting one time or another about something. And he just went and put an ungodly amount of weight on the, the, the bar and benched it two or three times. And then yeah. just kind of looked at people like, no, I'm good. He was amazing. We came up with a little different program for Brian <laughs> after that, that, that worked. I mean, it satisfied yeah. me and it, it satisfied what, you know, he felt he needed to do, but yeah, I mean, you get to a point with guys and, and just because you, you're already squatting 600 pounds, are you going to be better football player if he squats 700? And, and what is the risk reward of doing that? Right. Exactly. I mean, seriously. Um, but he was unbelievable strong. Uh, uh, the tight end done. Yeah. So Jason JD, JD was unbelievably strong too. Um, and then at San Diego, I tell you what, pound for pound, little Darren Sproles was unbelievable. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, a little little um, uh, uh, local here with K State, and I used to call him Pocket Hercules. I mean, and, <laughs> and, he, and that little dude, he he would like do his hand cleans with with three fifteen. And it was it almost was cartoon like because of his center gravity and his height that yeah. would just go. You wouldn't even how many reps sets? How many reps was that? I don't know. It was so fast, you know. And wow. same thing with squat and bench. He would like he'd want to bench with all the big guys. Him and Sean Merriman lights out used to go at it hard. Mm. It was like twice he was half Sean's size and would just hang with him. It was incredible. That's um, amazing. Yeah, Antonio Cromartie could be the best athlete I've ever been around. Wow. He, could lift, he could lift like a linebacker and run like a wide receiver. Unbelievable. We had a hill in San Diego that I had put in. It was a turf hill, and we'd run 40s up it. And he's the only guy I've ever seen that could would still be accelerating at the top of the hill. Wow. It's crazy. It was crazy. Okay, Jeff, so you said that that, that – Best athlete, Cromartie, Dale Carter. Talk to me. Uh, overall, I would still go with Cromartie. Uh, Dale, Dale had the same uh, skill set as far as movement skills, but Crow was strong too. Like mm -hmm. Dale was mean, and Dale would compete his tail off just like Crow would too. But uh, Dale did not – Dale did not like the weight room. No, Dale, Dale was Dale was Dale was you know you, you know Kendall Dale Carter was the only player that I've ever seen that could practice a hundred percent from time practice start to time it in. He was like the kid that went to the uh, boys' club and didn't want to close. He went to play yeah, basketball exactly. like, like 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 all day. And like, the other thing is because Jeff no he he, he was so wiry. But the time I saw him hit Nature on Means, oh yeah, yeah, he was he was unbelievably freakishly on the football field, a beast. I mean, he was he was strong. Um, he played strong, but but Crow had that extra length. Yeah, he was very long. He was a big big yeah. guy too. So, but yeah, I mean, if, if I was told I I was going to have one of them be on my team, I wouldn't blink an eye. Give me one of them. Yeah, I think it's, it's important for our listeners also. I mean, when we're talking about players that we're impressed by, mm -hmm. that really says something because everybody that gets into the NFL, they've got it going on to a, to a, to a pretty high degree. So when somebody really jumps out at you, then you, you know, they're very special. They've been quite honestly, I've said it many times, but quite honestly, they've been, they won the DNA lottery. They've been blessed genetically. And then you put that on top of working hard and going after things. And it's just amazing to see. Well, you, know, you mentioned, you mentioned Willie Rove and, you know, we've talked about it before. Like if you saw Willie walk, 
Oh. You're like, what's wrong with this dude? Like, and Coach Emil thought he wasn't lifting. And they had to, Jeff and them had to figure out, like, Coach, this guy is freakishly strong. He knows exactly what he's doing, right? He wants to lift, too. <laughs> he don't need to lift. Hey, he, he would come off the sideline every game, and sometimes I'd see him coming and sometimes I wouldn't. And he would all of a sudden snatch me up by my arm and go, Coach, 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 they don't lift that real iron. <laughs> I don't feel them. I don't feel them. They don't lift that real iron. Oh man! Okay, when when Coach called me upstairs and said, "Hey, we got a guy coming in, Willie Rowe," and of course I'd heard of Willie. Yeah. Said, I want you to take him down and run him in ten one tens. I want to see where he is cardiovascular. And I go, dang to myself. I go, okay. So I go down to the facility and Willie shows up, and he gets dressed. And comes walking out to the field, and I'm thinking, this guy ain't gonna be able to run one. One. Exactly. <laughs> one. I mean, he had he was like he's crippled up, like he's all beat up. And I go, I'm thinking, <laughs> what am I gonna tell coach now? So I said, Hey Willie, I said, we gotta we gotta check, see where you're at. We're gonna run some one tens. Okay, how many? I said, Well, the goal is 10. Okay. So we did a little warm-up and he still wasn't moving like I had hoped. So he goes, I'm ready. Said okay, so he gets on the line, still in that kind of funny looking oh, yeah. dance. He took off and planed out into yeah. the best Olympic <laughs> one ten meter stride I had ever seen, just like that. Oh, Gone. Then he gets to the end and he starts doing his. Starts lifting needs a cane again. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> holy crap! So I go, all right, we got you got forty five seconds. We're going again. He goes, oh, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready at thirty. <laughs> Boom! He takes off. We smoke all 10 of them. He made them all in like 18 seconds. And I'm like, okay. We're good. <laughs> I went upstairs and coach, he's good. Really? Yeah, he's a freak athlete. I'm telling you. Yeah. And so, and you know what? The, the funny thing to me is, you know, because he was my teammate four years in New Orleans also. <laughs> and I mean, if you see his dad, he walks just like his dad. His yeah. dad walks like like he's a deer that's been had his legs swept also. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. It is what it is. But when he planed out, it was like I could have taken a video. This is how you're supposed to look is when you're sprinting 110. Well, and, and you know, Jeff, when you if the fans don't know that they never notice. I mean, because if people if the camera were to follow him all the way to the sideline, once after a play was over, he was he was sprinting to the sideline. Once he hit the sideline, it was like Kendall said, he need he need the walker. Like help me, like like. But he was conserving yeah. energy. Like he he was. And when it was time to go, I gotta go. I gotta go. I mean, it was the dangest thing that you ever, ever, seen. ever. Just and just a great personality. Haven't been around him. Yeah. And wasn't from a big school in you know, Louisiana, Texas. So even like, Kendall, Kendall, did you see him this Saturday? La Tech, La Tech, they were La Tech. You know, I just, I just like, yeah, I saw him. I, you know, and you know, they were playing Sisters of the Poor, I think, sometimes, and so. Uh, but it's funny. But uh, you know, that's the kind of things. I mean, like how we're talking. Uh, for our folks listening, this is kind of the stuff that goes on in the weight room, also. I mean, oh, it's hilarious. I, I could write the a weight room oh, man. For, for a football team is what the guys miss the, the most. We, we say locker room, and it is the locker room, but the weight room's even a different thing, too, because now you're working together, you're going after things. Um, and you know, Kendall, the language is different. The language, oh, the, the weight room, it, it, that, that's a that was like a, it was like a nightclub. It was like, a, it was like, it was like a work meal. I mean, it was, I mean, you walk in there and it's just like, and the stuff you hear, the stuff you see, you're like, only if people saw what this was about. Unbelievable. And you know what? Underlying all that though, it was still competitive. No doubt oh, about yeah. it. 100%. It, it was still competitive. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Look, guys, I, I, the way I looked at you know, guys, you know, they they got to be so close. When you're working hard with somebody, like you're really working hard with somebody, man, at the end of the day, you know, especially when the games get real, like they're getting ready to get to, I'm not trying to be that guy and let that guy down. Exactly. So so I'm I'm not if, if I'm not doing my my lifts and then my teammates are seeing me not do my lifts or I'm not studying tape. And my teammates have seen me not do that, and I screw up in the game. That's a long season to be a part of a team if you like. That is. 
right? You ain't trying to be that guy. No, I used to, I, I used to always tell, especially younger guys, I said, hey, don't don't give them a reason not to trust you. Don't give them a reason yeah. not to yeah, rely on you. They screw up, but it, it better not be because you didn't do what you were supposed to do to prepare and to be ready and to do everything you can so that guy next to you can count on you. I mean, everybody's going to get beat, but – if you've done what you're supposed to, if you're a pro, if you've been a pro and, and the yeah. guy next to you is important enough to you that you do what you're supposed to do, it'll be all right. Yep. Yep. And then, yep, that, that's that's a great way to end it, you know, which is that's what we're getting ready to go into, Jeff. And, and you put it well. I appreciate you so much. Obviously, you're a good friend and I worked with you all my years in Kansas City. I've known you. So I thank you for that. But that's uh, a long snapper I was ever around. Well, I appreciate that. I'm at least the best long snapper on this show right now. I know yeah. that. <laughs> best player programs guy, best long snapper. Yeah, exactly right. Kent, you know, you know, Jeff, man, we've been we've been through an awful lot um, uh, under pressure, right? Oh. Um, uh, you know, but in the day, you know, our families have been close. Kathy, your boys, your families grow. Our families have grown together. Our wives are having kids at the same time, right? So exactly. we're all trying to do this thing. But I will tell you what, man, something special is people like you, Kendall, I talk about it often. It was more than just football that made Kansas City special. It, yeah, and, 100%. And, and it's that that, that sauce was, was the people. And, and I think our leadership understood that they got that and they cultivated it. So uh, you've been a pro everywhere you've been. Um, you've been a top pro everywhere you've been, man. It's great to have you on our show. And maybe we'll have you back on here in the future. Hey, you just let me know. I enjoyed it. So cool. Appreciate it. Good seeing Thanks you guys. So much, Thank you guys. Thank I'm you for great. everything you've been in my life too. I appreciate it. Well, uh, folks, uh, Jeff heard he's just one of the best, and and I mean, you do it at his level for twenty three years in the, in the league. You're doing something right. And Lamont, you mentioned it was it was it wasn't just a job. I mean, you guys grew together. You you were having kids at the same time. And, you know, I was obviously younger, uh, but I was in there working with you, working with him. And, you know, the weight room, I, I honestly think the weight room in the offseason is where the team is, is really built and where they build that camaraderie. Uh, and it, it spills over then to practice and everything. But, uh, yeah, just just a fabulous talk. We've been wanting to have him on for a while. And just he's just a great dude. Yeah, you know, Kendall, that – and, again, that's the – you know, people, you know, talk about books and that kind of thing. But, you know – it's talking about that weight room, man. And, 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 you know, every time a player goes to a different team, he's going to a different weight room. And, 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 and there's so much, uh, there's so much richness uh, and experience that, 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 you know, that's happening. The problem is the really good stuff, like in player development, you can't talk about, it, right? So, right? Yeah, exactly. You, you know, because it, it's a lot of it is so personal uh, when you get in that weight room, it, it really is. I mean, the, the the weight room really. I just thought of this. It be kind of it, it kind of becomes that barber shop where. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That, that's where you learn what's going on with everybody and everything that's going on. So, hey, as always, it's been a pleasure. Um, uh, I'm very fortunate to to be co-hosting with you and folks out there. We hope you enjoyed it. Again, he is Lamont Winston. You can follow him on Twitter at Lamont Winston. Make sure to put that e on the end of the T on Lamont, and I am Kendall Gammon at Kendall Gammon. This has been Beyond the Game. Look forward to seeing you again. Take care. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.